Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. If you would like It's Not About Food podcasts a week earlier and ad-free, please support me on patreon.com forward slash It's Not About Food. For more information about my books, my work, and my body love cards, you can go to my website at itsnotaboutfood.com. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hello everyone, this is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. Today we are talking about the idea of reflection, or what does that mean to look at our reflection or to have a reflection. So one thing I know about reflection, if you're a vampire, you don't have one. (laughs) So I'm hoping that I'm talking to all the people who are not vampires because we're going to talk about reflection and you wouldn't understand, maybe. So the front of the card is the goddess is standing in front of a pond and there's a little reflection of her and her dear animal with her and just sort of looking at her reflection In the back, it says, reflection is the ability to see your true self mirrored back to you. Unfortunately, we spend most of our lives using the mirror as a way to judge the imperfections in our appearance, which is a limited and biased perception of who we are. By changing how we see our reflection, we can expand and transform our vision to include the beauty of our true selves. And isn't that a wonderful idea, if we can do that, that we can stand in front of a mirror and just see our true self rather than what our culture tells us is okay or not okay. Or we look at imperfections as stuff that we need to judge and then fix. But what if it's actually fine? What if we're fine, really, however way we come? I think that for me, if I think about this idea of reflection as a tool to get over an an eating disorder or a body hatred. You know, it can be a very powerful tool to learn how to stand in front of a mirror without beating yourself up. And it takes a little while to do it, but I often tell my clients that it is really important that you know what you look like and you are okay with how you look because If you were an artist and you saw this person and you had to draw them, you wouldn't have a lot of judgments about it. You would just want to draw them as realistic as you could. And we have to do that with ourselves as well. So I know that watching my granddaughter see her reflection when she was a baby, she just thought it was the greatest. She was fine with it. And then over the years, we grow and change in the culture that we live in, and we start to judge it. And we're not judging it very nicely. (laughs) So 
I really think it's one of the most important tools to use to get over body hatred is to look at our reflection without hate and without being judgmental and instead at least have a non, maybe just a neutral until we actually think that we're pretty much okay. So I have a great person here with me today, Elaine, and I'm going to introduce her in a second. And then she's going to talk about reflection and what that means to her and like she said before we came on, she's been reflecting about reflection. <laughs> so take it away. Thank you so much for having me on today and with this great topic. I'm excited to talk about this personally and then also what the work I do in health coaching. So how reflection plays a big part of the change process or in the process of coaching and how powerful it can be. And as you were saying, it can be difficult, you know, to really look at ourselves. So, and that's like all levels, like in the mirror, which I think is really hard. Then we also think about like the reflecting on like who we are, like our personalities or the behaviors we have and getting really okay with them first before just trying to throw it all away and become a new perfect person. Right. Like that can (laughs) can even happen. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, that's not... Yeah. So I was thinking I really loved the card and what it said and how I did that practice. You probably know Louise Hayes' work (gasps) where you look in the mirror, I think it's 30 days that she wants you to like say, I love and accept myself exactly as I am, or I accept myself or whatever. There's a short phrase and I did, I put the post-it on my mirror to remind myself to do it because it's so hard and it is very uncomfortable at first to do that. But I think it's very powerful work. And I did use another person's work in that idea of looking in a mirror. Because I feel like you can't tell people, you should look in a mirror and like yourself and not try to yourself. Yeah. So it's like, like, yeah, like sure. walking, right? Walking the talk. So I used Sarah Bamford Seidelman's work. She's a doctor turned shaman. She has this book of spirit animals called Book of Beasties. And one of them is the llama. And the self-care practice for that was looking in the mirror and gazing at your eyes. You know, like llamas have these beautiful big eyes. And so part of my entry into it was like, I smile when I see a llama. Like, I think they're so cute. And so I called it self-love llama. So I got myself a little llama (laughs) to like remind myself of that moment that you have. of Oh, you look in a llama's eyes and you think, oh, what pretty eyes it has or something. It's like, how can you do that for yourself? I love that. And however way we can chunk it down to something that we can stand or handle the idea of looking in my eyes first and calling myself home. Come here and talk to me, Laura Lee, you know, looking in my eyes in the mirror and just staying there. Hello, how are you? What's going on? How are you feeling? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then little by little by little, letting my eyes go down my face and then into my body and until I could actually stand in front of a mirror and be okay with what I looked like. And it took a long time. I tell people, my own clients, if you start to have a bunch of, oh, what do I want to say? Like you start to beat yourself up, then mirror time is now over because you're not going to stand and beat yourself up and tell yourself all these things. You already have told yourself all those things. So we need a new language. 
And if that comes up, then try again later. (laughs) And I love that idea of like, yeah, you don't have to get it right the first time. It's take it step by step. And then noticing, like getting more aware of your thoughts so that you're not getting overcome by that self-criticism and judgment until you can stand there, have a judgment come up, be able to pause it and maybe switch it. I know a lot of people too, I love affirmation work and I know people are like, oh, that's too positive. It doesn't mean anything. But I'm like, you're in there, in your head, calling yourself the cruelest things and you think that's okay. (laughs) You know, so it's like, how ridiculous is that? But once it's positive, it's silly. Just try it on. Like, just try to shift it. But I like that little bit. Like, you don't have to sit there for a long time. Just one thing. And your card is really great because there's a step to it. I love the languaging you use because it's not this, I'm perfect and beautiful. People could feel very far away from that. You know, like, I'm the most beautiful, whatever. It's like, it doesn't have to be that far. It could just be like, I'm learning. <laughs> like That's really, you know, you don't have to jump in that deep end yet. Yes, I love that what you just said is I tell my clients, buffer it out as much as you can. Right now, I am learning to look at myself without hatred and fear. And okay. <laughs> right? And the next day, today I'm just learning how to be okay with what I look like. Just buffer it out as long as you can. Yeah. And when I was thinking about working in health coaching, it can get tricky because people might have goals around weight and it's an aesthetic-based thing. And I like to try to get to more of the values-based and like what you really are looking for. We have these, like when you said like with this world, like your granddaughter's growing up in, I just, I mean, I had magazines. <laughs> I know people have like Instagram and TikTok and all this stuff. So you get this image in your head of what you should look like, what this is, but it's like learning how to be like what I look like. And then what do I want my health in a holistic way to be? So do I really need to look like this other person or do I just need to, you know, just feel more comfortable in my body? And that might be like, yeah, maybe adding some movement or some more nourishing, delicious foods, but it's not rigid, forcing yourself into some mold that you're not. Well, I know that I started Beyond Hunger in 1988 because I had recovered from my own eating disorder and body disturbance. And I thought, okay, if I can do it, I can tell other people how to do it. And then I met my business partner and we started Beyond Hunger. And we really thought at that time, this is in the late 80s, you know, this is not going to be this way forever. People are going to realize that diets don't work loving yourself does, eating uh, according to your own body, that's what works. Trusting and loving yourself, that's what works. But we never saw the internet coming and we never saw TikTok coming. We never saw Photoshop coming. We didn't see any of this. So I think we would have been very discouraged (laughs) had we seen the whole picture because we were like, we'll do this for a few years. And then we'll be doing something else. But we had no idea that it would get as bad as it did. And it is. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't there to make you feel like, oh no, this is never going to, we need more and more, even more now, right? Like we need it more, these reminders. 
Yeah, we need to tell people this is not real. This picture that you're trying to look like is not even a, she doesn't even look like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you can look like that, do whatever filter you want, but you have to enjoy who you are outside of the filter too. (laughs) Exactly. Have fun with it. And it gets so convoluted. So how do we look at ourselves? How do we get a reflection of ourselves? to have our true self mirrored back to us? How do we let go of those cultural ideals or judgments and just get in touch with who we truly are without all of that? And it's, I don't know, it's a hard task to do in this day and age, but it's not impossible. We can do it. I agree. Finding the right support too is important. You know, looking at who your friends are, if you're all your friends are, you know, you bonded before on superficial things and then you're trying to let go of some of that, it might be time to find more like-minded people and gentle people who aren't going to be disturbed if you're not on their dieting trend with them or so it is really looking at and figuring that out, like finding that community and support too. So if you get a client, you start to work with them and you notice how often that comes up of how little they like their reflection or how little they like their body or how they look. How do you kind of steer them towards more of a self-love or self-acceptance? That's a great question. I was thinking about that. Well, in coaching in general, like our philosophy is people are whole and creative and resourceful, just as they are. <laughs> so I always start off just thinking, well, you're here, you're an adult. <laughs> You've done so much. So I love being a coach to be able to hold that space of like non-judgment. Because actually, I really just enjoy learning about people and being curious about them. And so I do ask them like, when we're here in this coaching space, this is about curiosity and While you're working with me, I hope to have you cultivate your own curiosity about yourself. So building that awareness and witnessing muscle versus like judging. So it's like just observing your habits, just observing who you are and trying to be as gentle around it. So that's a big part of my coaching philosophies. And I hope to hold that space for them. And being able to, and this is where reflection works fun in coaching is I'm reflecting back what they're saying and what they're doing. So it's like when I hear things, I'm like, oh, this and that. And then it's like, they'll say, oh, that was such a smart thing to say. I'm like, no, you said it. <laughs> like, you know, you said that. Like, Or being able to point out when they're being really critical and being able to challenge that judgment because we believe our thoughts and we believe our judgments to be true. And so it's really nice to have a space where someone is gently being like, oh, what evidence do you have for that? <laughs> Like, how much do you believe that? You know, so it's just learning how to start getting a little bit more room from those thoughts. I had a client who said, Eileen, I don't want to be inside the washing machine anymore. I want to be on the outside of the washing machine. So that's what I always love that image of like, let's get outside of the washing machine of those thoughts. And then we can decide if we want them or not. Right. Or that we can let them go. Like they're just thoughts, the same kind of thoughts of, God, I wish I was a princess. You know, but that's just a thought. (laughs) I'm probably not going to be a princess at this point. So I can let that go. It's like I don't have to like be upset that I'm not one because I had a thought. Yeah, you're right. We believe our thoughts so strongly. And to let some of these go that don't serve us, 
is a whole other thing. And bringing in that self-compassion, I'm always like, please be a little bit kinder to yourself. And like you said, in the card, you have that in there. There's a sense of self-compassion in not judging the imperfections. And there's a certain amount of internal pressure. It goes away so fast. All of a sudden, when you're just a little nicer to yourself, you can breathe deeper. It's like, wow, like I don't have to have this like looming, awful enemy telling me how terrible everything I'm doing and how I look or whatever, you know, it's like, you can actually turn that down. You can turn the volume down on that. And it's really feels really good. If you would like to have a weekly newsletter that has some information about recovery or what people are doing in the world or what I'm doing in the world and just information about how to recover and what to do and how do we have faith and trust and love and openness to our own selves. You can go to my website at itsnotaboutfood.com. Storygram Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Storygram Network. I joined Beyond Hunger about three years ago after my own eating disorder recovery. I've been with the Peer Ed program for over a year. I have been a peer educator for a few weeks now. Beyond Hunger is an amazing organization in which high schoolers like me get to go to schools across the Bay Area and educate teens and students on mental health, body image, intuitive eating. I joined because it really helps people. I joined the program because I believe that the information we provide people my age is very important. Beyond Hunger has allowed me to connect with the youth in my community and reaffirm to myself what I know is true. It has given me an opportunity to educate others and inform others around my age. Um, and I just think it's a really wonderful program. Because I want to teach other teens what I never learned. Appreciating your body through its ups and downs, navigating diet, diet culture, and learning about intuitive emotions and hunger. And I felt that it was super important to continue to make change in the community. My name is Laura Lee Rourke, and I am one of the founders of Beyond Hunger. My business partner, Carol Normandy, and I founded it in 1988. But for the last 25 years, we've been going into schools and talking about the issue of eating disorders and body hatred. We um, train young women to go in with us, peer to peer, student to student, and it is a wonderful program. Please give generously. Thank you. I can remember somebody saying, that voice that you have in your head I don't really know that that's your voice and that voice lies. <laughs> you know, that's somebody else's voice that has gotten plugged in there and you need to let it go. I think that's very true. I think there's things like there are some things that were survival strategies when we were maybe children that we gathered. But then I think especially with aesthetics and everything, we are bombarded with images and marketing, you know, and most marketing is like you're garbage unless you buy this or look like this or do this. So it's like, we're just been bombarded since we were kids with this outside marketing of like, we're never okay unless we do these other things. So it is trying to be like, oh, where's this thought coming from? Right. 
who even said this to me? And do I even trust them? I mean, I can remember reading crazy diets and then trying to go on them. And they would be in the same kind of magazine that on the front, it would be, I had Elvis's baby and it was on an island. It just would be this wild story about this thing. But I would trust that diet. (laughs) (laughs) We trust a lot of diets from (laughs) people. And the health and wellness world is full of the newest this or that and but what works for you? And that was a big journey for me of figuring out like, what's actually healthy for me at this point in my life? That's right. Because it changes. Yeah. And so it's like trying not to be like, oh, you have to be vegan. You have to be paleo. You have to be keto. It's like all those things are extreme. And so they need to be utilized appropriately. I am in my life more vegetarian certain weeks in the month. Like I I just know pain level helps me out. But then there's other weeks where I need more animal protein. (laughs) I don't can eat it. So it's like, that's okay. It's just really trying to learn that. And it's a little bit scary because you're like, am I doing this right? We give so much of our power away to experts and they do have good information, but you can't know it until you try it and then go, you know what? That felt good or that didn't feel that great. It's so true. And when we're little, we don't even think about not trusting ourselves. You know, I can remember my son at a birthday party and he ate two bites of cake. And I said, well, are you going to finish your cake? And he went, there's always cake. I'm not hungry for cake anymore. And I was like, oh my God, he's a genius. (laughs) You know, because I didn't think there was always cake. I wasn't able to always have cake, but he was. That's my new affirmation. Yeah. (laughs) Because I such a sweet (laughs) and I have a picture of me like at birthday parties. It's like I was a kid eating the cake at the table. Yeah. Like those are the pictures. I was so I've been in love with cake since I was a kid and I was not (laughs) trusting what's gonna be there. Right. But I love that's so sweet. There's always cake. There's always cake. There's always cake. (laughs) You know, I don't have to eat it all right now, mom. I mean, I was putting my stuff on him. By, I want you to eat this cake because you might not get it again. And he was like, yeah, no, that's not my reality. <laughs> that's true. And as adults, even more so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, so trusting. That's really sweet. Yeah. And the reflection for him, that was his experience that there's always been enough. And that wasn't my experience. I was always scared there wasn't enough. So it worked for him to be much more free and easy with a lot of different things, which I didn't have that when I was little. Which is an amazing reflection of you as a parent, right? (laughs) That you have a child who feels like, oh, there's enough. (laughs) There's enough, mom. So I wonder about like when you work with a client that is very judgmental, how do you get her or him to move off of that and then work to see themselves as they are. And then, you know, if changes need to be made, then that's whatever. But they're actually okay right now. I think big part of my work too is values work. So really finding out like the big picture values that are important to somebody, because often that will help us anchor or guide. So then if there's these thoughts, these criticisms coming up, it's like, does that even align with your actual values? You know what I mean? Like, so it's like easier to build that evidence to soften 
and when start recognizing it. So really spending time on some values work, finding out just three to five words and qualities that they want in their life. That would be really important. Then I was thinking people have a lot of difficulty. I really like somatic work. So I just like the caring touch, which is like putting your hand on your chest and breathing, you know, so you don't even have to engage with your thoughts if they're like spiraling or this or that there. And then I like the one where they put your hands on your cheeks and you hold your face because you're hitting all those cranial nerves and it relaxes your nervous system because they're so critical. Often they think like saying something nice, it's okay. I'm all right. Things Way to go, champ. Like, we can't do that. So I'm like, you don't even have to say anything to yourself. But if you can comfort, like, those points, um, squeezing your arms, like, kind of like a hug or just squeezing up your arms, all of that relaxes your nervous system. And I think getting in your body like that can calm your mind a little bit and give you some space. I had that because I was, I have an intense inner critic that I don't hear but I feel as tension. So it feels like it overcomes me in like a physical sensation first and then emotional. And then I'll hear the thoughts. So I body process first. Some people, their very thoughts are very noisy or their emotions are really loud. Like we all have our lean into whatever. But I remember practicing self-compassion, you know, without having any big things going on. So I always think practice when it's low. Like, like yes. get into the <laughs> habit of doing those things. And then one day, I did something like didn't write someone back on an email, missed a scheduling thing or whatever. And I had that pit and my stomach dropped. I felt it coming on. And all of a sudden I was holding my face like oh. just automatically. And I was like, it's an email. <laughs> like, like it wasn't, you know, I was able to find perspective much faster. I had a moment to just comfort myself. And so I think building that practice is nice too. Yeah. And I love that, what you're saying, that that kind of touch. There's another one called butterfly, where you cross your arms in front of your chest and sort of pat your upper arms, sort of like how you calm down a small child, you know, of get in your body, everything's going to be okay, you know, you didn't burn down an orphanage, (laughs) things are going to, you know... This is an email. This is a bill you missed. Whatever. Doesn't matter. In the big scope of things, you didn't start a war, so we're okay. And it doesn't mean you're a terrible person. Right. You can make a mistake and still be a good person. That's right. So (laughs) We let others make mistakes all the time, but it's very hard if we have that really severe critic inside of us. And then the other thing of self-talk, I really like asking people because I had someone who was like, oh yeah, the other day I didn't water my plant or whatever. And I was like, I'm such an idiot. And I was like, wow. So if your friend didn't water the plants, (laughs) would you be like, you're an idiot? And they were like, oh no, I would never call my friend an idiot for not watering a plant. And I'm like, okay, you're going to have to start talking to yourself like you're your friend. So what would you say to a friend in this situation? People are so nice to their friends. They are so kind to other people and they're so mean to themselves. And so it's like bringing that perspective in, I think it's really helpful for the self-criticism. It's so true. The way I talk to myself, I would never allow anyone to speak to me like that. 
but I did it all the time. And I would never speak to anyone else like that. No. And I think with the reflection, it would be interesting. I never thought of doing that too, the image of yourself. If you saw your friend, you wouldn't be like, looks like you gained a little weight. Looks like your hair isn't the perfect this or why is your eye color like that? Whatever you pick on yourself about, (laughs) it's like you would never pick on your friends like that. Or I hope you wouldn't. (laughs) But usually you typically do not. (laughs) No, I wouldn't. But I know that I got a lot of that from the family I was born into that was very looks-oriented. And I can remember I hadn't seen my mother in a year. I lived in California. She lived in Texas. I went back to see her, and almost the first thing she said to me was, you know, I just wish you wouldn't wear so much makeup. (laughs) I was like, hi, Mom. So everything is still the same, huh? Anyway, but I had grown enough to know that she didn't like to show that she was happy to see me because that would make her vulnerable. And there was all kinds of different things that was going on with her. And I didn't have to take it on. I could go, okay, thanks. (laughs) But that took a lot of learning to be able to deflect that. Yeah, that untangling, like when you have those thoughts and then you start pulling on them and then you're like, oh, there's a deeper thought or it, like you said, who is saying this? And then you're like, oh, if that's actually coming from this outside external world, it's like, well, we can't change them, but we can maybe set some boundaries around it. And if we're comfortable to say like, that doesn't work for me to talk about my looks. But if you know that conversation isn't where you can go, then... I just would know, oh, that's how she tells me she loves me. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't want me to, anybody to make fun of me. So this is just her way of saying, you know, I don't know what, but I didn't have to take it on anymore. I just didn't. So that was a huge thing. It's hard to think, oh, I don't have to take what they're saying about me personally, because it's not about me, it's about them. Even if it feels so personal to say, to talk about your appearance, it wasn't about you. (laughs) It's like to learn like that's their thing. No. And that's why the name of the podcast and my books and all my work is, it's not about food. We could say it's not about food. It's not about your body. It's not about your boyfriend. It's not about money. It's all the things you think about those things. That's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy to have you on. And I wonder if you will read this last part that today I will practice. Today I will practice standing in front of the mirror. I will greet myself by looking into my eyes and saying hello. I will allow myself to look at my body as a work of art. Each time I find myself criticizing my body, I will take a deep breath, let it go, and say, I am learning to love and accept myself exactly as I am. Yes, that is like the task of the day, you know, and it's beautiful. And again, we have to relearn how to do this because when we were little, we already were doing it. We already thought we were cooler, so cool. Cooler (laughs) than a ceiling fan. (laughs) (laughs) We were okay. And again, I love it because you said, I'm learning to love. So all the people cringing about looking in the mirror and saying they love and accept themselves. It's like, you're learning. It's okay to be in the learning part of it and be okay with that. That's fine. That's a perfect place to be. So tell me how people can get a hold of you if they want to work with you. So my coaching business is called Wellness as Art. And that's the website name. And I'm on Instagram as Wellness as Art as well. 
how do people work with me? Right now I'm in the middle of my winter group. So we have this really cozy group where we meet every other week and do like a lot of self-care and de-stressing. We actually work on thoughts. We're doing imagery work, yoga nidra. It's beautiful. But you can't join yet. You can join next year or the end of this year. But what I also am going to do in spring is launching a little bit of a series. I want to do a series just chatting with different types of practitioners because holistic health is really... And integrative health is important to me. So figuring out who we are. Like we think of health, we often are like, I need to eat better, you know, or something like that. But there's so many dimensions to wellness and there's so many different kinds of practitioners out there. So stay tuned in spring. I'm going to do a wellness wheel workshop where we explore and self-reflect about the different elements of health. And a lot of it is our mindset around those elements. So looking at that, so it's a very kind practice a kinder self-assessment. It's not just, what do I need to fix? It's like, ah, nope, that's not how I work. So we're going to look You're at not that. broken. You don't no, need to be fixed. Exactly. Yeah. And then I want to interview off a little IG, like a Instagram live series of different practitioners I love just to kind of talk about their expertise in different areas. Like even um, I'm really excited to talk about someone about interior design and your environment, like how that impacts your wellness. Right. So just all these different things. So that's coming up. And then you can always reach out to me if you want one-on-one coaching. I have different programs set up. Sounds so great. I really appreciate you talking to us today very, very much. Thank Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate your work. And I do have to shout out everyone to get these body love cards. I love them. (laughs) I use them. I think they're wonderful. Thank you. That's my plug for you. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you later, Gator. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.